Hey y'all, I'm Elliot Hall, and welcome to another episode of The Journey to St. Andrews. This week we'll be chatting about the golf tournament I played in this week called the Gene Sillers Memorial Red Pants Tournament. Uh, we played that at Peachtree Golf Course up in Kennesaw, which is just north of Atlanta. And we'll also be talking about my lesson that I took with Jason over at uh, Bobby Jones Golf Course uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And we really focused mainly on chipping and also making sure to hit it consistently uh, and accurately on the uh, club face every time. So sometimes, like we've talked about in the past, I want to uh, dive into some specific topics or uh, who knows, maybe one day I bring a guest on or, or news going on in the golf world. But uh, this week, there's really nothing uh, like outside of just the uh, uh, talking about the tournament I played in and also the lesson. However, I am very excited to say that I will be going to uh, Eastlake this week to watch the Tour Championship. So very excited about that. I'll post some pictures um, on my Instagram. Uh, at Elliot P. Hall, uh, Elliot P. Hall on Instagram. That's it. I'll post some there and also, of course, be talking about it on the uh, podcast when when we have the next episode. So with all of that, uh, let's just dive right in, y'all. So we have dra- drastically improved my overall swing, um, as I've talked about in the past. My club to path, my tack angle, and my face to path. So those were the three things that Jason wanted to focus on uh, first. And we spent a few lessons really getting me there. Uh, I remember it felt very unnatural trying to uh, develop my swing from what it had been for like 20 plus years. Um, I'd figured out how to just kind of deal with the swing I had and uh, work around it. So during that time period, there was definitely uh, some learning curves for sure. Um, There was a few band-aids we used just to you know, help me uh, not uh, actually put the ball in play sometimes and, you know, recover decently. So, but the goal is to work on those three main things, the club to path, the attack angle, and the face to path. And so you can look those up. We'll probably do more um, conversation and chats on just those in particular. But um, those three things are basically your basic swing. If you get all of those right, then it's just dialing in. And by no means do I have those right every single swing. But uh, using like a, a TrackMan, which uh, Jason uses at his facility, you can actually see the data on all those. And I've talked about this in the past on how important uh, using that data is to really understand where your swing lacks. And with mine, um, I was just all over the map. It was consistently all over the map, but I had to learn to bring things in. Like I said, I was coming over the top of the ball instead of in and uh, and in on the ball. I was coming, I was swinging like essentially if you lean out real forward uh, with your club and you bring it down over the top of the ball on the uh, on the angle, if the ball is parallel with your feet, I'm coming in from the outside and coming in to hit the ball. Also, I was opening my club face uh, a lot, so it was just naturally going to the right. And like for each angle that your club face is open, that translates in anywhere from like five to ten yards once you get it into play and in the air. So if you're one degree open to the right, five to ten yards to the right. So just you know, assume when you watch your ball, just do that crazy hook or slice or <laughs> whatever it is that it's not doing that you <laughs> don't want it to do. Um, just kind of think about that. So all three of those things while consistently inaccurate, were at least consistent. So we were able to go at each one of those one by one and then correct it. And we overcorrected, and that's why it was definitely a learning curve is I got used to playing the swing I had. But then it was like, all right, so we're just kind of rewriting the book 
definitely showed in my golf game for a while. So if you are starting lessons or you're doing some self, uh, self-teaching and you're seeing that, don't get dismayed. Just stick with it now. Uh, fast forward a, a couple of months and I don't even realize I'm doing, I do have to think about it and, and I'll get, um, I'll get out of whack a little bit and have to come back around, but consistently, and especially using that TrackMan data, uh, I can see that like that's no longer the area of my game that really needs the focus anymore. That 80% of the time is where it should be. So that's where we're at with that. So knowing uh, knowing this, now we're starting to dive into a little bit more of particulars, which, you know, saying it now, just kind of trying to paraphrase it, I will go back and do a uh, episode on those three things that I worked on, kind of to build it out. It's just I'm working on those over the past couple months, so it's, it's not as fresh. Um, but I'll go back and look through my my notes and stuff like that, and and, and really talk about what that was. Um, I'll take a trip to the past or something like that, or I don't know. But now that those are uh, being taken care of, now we're starting to dive into more particulars, like we're saying. So. What we worked on on Friday uh, was consistently striking the center of the club, or as we all know it, uh, to be called the sweet spot. I, watching this data and also learning to kind of feel and hear what's happening when my club face comes through and connects with the ball, uh, but especially with the TrackMan data, um, I tend to toe it a lot. Uh, like over and over again, even with all of these uh, other things being... Uh, very much improved, that is still naturally where I'm at. So there's a few things that you can do to try and correct that. But it really doesn't matter if you're trying to correct that one thing if the other three aren't important. And that is why we we should talk about those more and why I wanted to at least touch on them this episode. So once you have the club-to-path, attack angle, and face-to-path all down, then if you're still towing it, it could be a few different things. One for me is I was standing, it's very simple. I was just standing too far back from the ball. So once I learned to get up there and uh, and address the ball appropriately at a better distance from the ball, that started to help a lot. It didn't fix it. It wasn't just bam, that's done, but that brought it in from, at least now I'm getting in the grooves of the club face and not uh, literally out on the toe sometimes. So just addressing the ball better and being a more appropriate distance between you and the ball itself that can help. And also it works the opposite way too. If you're um, coming in and hitting the uh, the heel of the club, then maybe you need to take a step back. And it should be about a fist width between you and the end of your club, between your body and the end of the club. Or at least that's where I'm at and it's helping. The next thing that we did though is if you are addressing the ball and you're standing over it, think of the ball centered in a tic-tac-toe board. So right in the center, you've got your your quadrants all around it, right? And think of the ball in the very center. Once you are set on that, if you are towing it, then think about aiming the club face maybe into that next quadrant over. And trust me, I know how this sounds. Um, You just got to get up there and try it. But it was very... Very unnatural for me to attempt to try and swing beyond the ball. So literally what you have to do is imagine a fake golf ball just beyond your golf ball or just in front of your golf ball, depending on how you're swinging or in front of your golf ball or in the top 
uh, right quadrant. Uh, are you hitting it fat? Are you hitting it thin? What are you doing? You have to then essentially use <laughs> use your imagination to imagine another ball wherever it is. So for me in particular, to keep this simple, uh, especially in spoken word, um, imagine I'm, I'm towing it. So what I need to do is get my club face further away from my, um, further up to the ball. So that way it connects with the grooves, the sweet spot of the club as I come through. So with that, I have to imagine a golf ball further up ahead of my ball. When I come through on my backswing and then follow through, it is very crazy to picture myself trying to hit imaginary golf ball beyond it. I think I'm going to have one of the worst shots you possibly can. But lo and behold, it works. I don't know why it works. Uh, Jason said the same thing. He's like, it's crazy. You just have to, yeah, just have to do it. And is it a perfect fix? No, but it is teaching you what the correct feel should be as you are coming through on the ball. And also it's teaching yourself that you do have control. And that's one of the best things about Taking these lessons and practicing more is, for 20 years of my life, I knew I had control over very few things with golf, and a lot was luck, and a lot was, you know, kind of knowing what to do in the scenario, but not really having, you know, true ability to control your game. So that's huge, and once you can see, like, oh, why do I keep hitting it right, you know, everything feels good on my swing, uh, but I keep towing it, all right, let's imagine a ball just ahead of it, um, or, or vice versa. So like I said, you're going to hit it fat. You're going to mess up. You're going to hit bad shots. It's the, um, uh, grind on the, um, driving range that you're just going to have to go and deal with and accept is going to happen. But I can already tell that that is drastically helping me get more and more in the sweet spot of that club. And then once again, that TrackMan data is so useful. So even if you only go into it once or twice, just to, you know, or you check in once every three months to see how your, your, your accuracy is improving and all that data is, I can't recommend that enough. Or you can just go up to like a top golf. It's not nearly, you know, as robust, but they do have a lot of, you know, good stuff up there too. So another way that we've been consistently hitting that sweet spot more is just me slowing down my my club speed now we want to work back to getting me being able to swing pretty you know hard at the ball and, and and get the most out of it but a lot of the swings you don't have to swing for the fences and when you don't you actually will end up hitting it further uh, a lot of times if you just hit it accurately i apologize that's my computer i forgot to mute it but you will end up hitting it a lot further if you just hit it accurately and in the center of the club where it should be with a good uh, practiced swing. So take my seven iron, for instance. My seven iron, before I started lessons, 120, 130. Uh, and, you know, that's because I just had a, a very unnatural swing um, and maybe a little bit more with, you know, the carry. But... Once I started taking lessons, I saw that grow to 140 plus, um, pushing 150. And so, you know, it came to like my 150 club. Now, just practicing and actually slowing down, not swinging it nearly as hard, when I hit it in the square sweet spot on that club, and also, you know, uh, have a good club to path, attack angle, and face to path. Uh, okay, 170 plus. So I can't do this every time. It still is between 150 to 170, but I've been overshooting 
uh, greens. And uh, so that's a whole other thing that I you just got to figure out with my game to learn my new distances, but but it's an improvement. So I also try not to hold that against myself too much if I end up double bogeying in a hole because I hit a club significantly better than I ever have. Um, that's just part of the, the learning curve. Um, so worked on that a lot. Felt good. Still, some of the things we're talking about, they don't quite feel natural, but just keeping at it. And I can promise you the way I was swinging before and then how we started focusing on club to path, attack angle and, and face to path over the past few months, none of that felt natural. So what I'm, I'm just trying to instill is it's if you are already a pretty good golfer, then some of this stuff is going to be more about course management, diving deeper into certain things. But if you are a high handicapper like myself and you're trying to move from those hundreds to 90s and then into 80s and beyond, a lot of this isn't going to feel normal and it's going to hurt your game in some aspects because you have to accept the new, uh, the, the new way you're, you're going to be playing your golf game. Uh, so anyways, that all to be said, that's enough on all that. Um, let's just move on to the other thing we focus on, which is, uh, chipping. So what he really wants me to take away from chipping is that, it has less room for error than a lot of your other swings. All right, so we're chipping, you know, he's he's a pro, but so he's chipping 100 yards out. But let's say average person is chipping from around 70 yards out most of the time. Um, the less you can do to make room for error. So all the things I've been talking about, all these, you know, attack angle and hitting the sweet spot and, you know, um, your face to path and your approach on the ball and inside to out, all of that, you don't want, you want to tighten up those parameters. So with chipping, take a tighter stance, never do a full swing, choke up on the club. You, the, the more wildly you swing back and then come through, the more you have to dial all of this stuff back into that a precise moment when the ball is struck and you're trying to put it into play the way you're attempting to. The less you have to do of that, the less room for error there's going to be. And what's really interesting to me is trying to accelerate when I approach on the ball when I'm chipping. So you come back half and you can come back fairly slow, like you know, a good half swing, maybe a quarter swing, and then accelerate as you approach the ball. I feel like I'm going to like whip the ball or whip my wrists in order to, you know, attack the ball, but you just accelerate. You just accelerate, push through, and once again, that's an unnatural feeling, but testing this out multiple times, watching the data from the track band, you can see this is the better way to strike a golf ball. And I guess that's really what I'm expressing to y'all is all the stuff that, uh, you know, if you don't know what's going on with your golf game or your high handicapper, you don't know how you're ever going to get better. I'm really just trying to <laughs> vocalize the craziness. Uh, if I repeat myself, my bad. Um, uh, but I really, there's so many little steps and there's so much going on. And that's why this game, even when I was a very high handicapper, I still enjoyed it is there's just, there's a lot you can learn and challenge yourself from. So anyways, back to chipping. Uh, what we did after we kind of, you know, got the, the, got my swing, my chipping a little bit more fluid. Um, uh, then we ended up practicing 30, 50 and 70 yards to learn the feel of of what those all felt like. Um, not the feel of the swing. Well, yes, but kind of the spatial awareness between like, that's what 30 looks like. That's what 50 looks like. That's what 70 looks like, because that's really 85% of the time you're going to be chipping. Right. Um, and 
it's amazing to be able to look out there and go, okay, that first pin is 30, that first, the next is 50 and 70. And then by no means uh, could I put it right at the pin each time, but throughout the course of the lesson, by the end, I was able to get relatively near them when I would just think that's where I wanted to go. Now, of course, I'm pulling, uh, I'm pulling further back into my backswing and the acceleration's helping, I'm choking up, but to be able to just look and then put it into practicality without measuring it out or or whatever. You are literally just trying to get a feel for how far you're going to hit the ball and then tighten it up. And uh, I'm very excited about this because I've never really focused on chipping that much. I get out there, I'd hit my 56 degree club. That's the club I use for for all my chip shots. Um, If you have 52s and there's 60s and stuff like that, people have different ones. Sometimes you have three or more in your bag. uh, I just have a 56. So with that, um, I would get out there and hit it, but it was more just like, get it straight, try to get it straight. Um, maybe try to hit it a little bit shorter, but just going back and forth and not just do 30, 30, 30, 50, 50, 50, yada, 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 do 30, 70, 50, 70, 30, 50. Cause that's how you're actually playing the game. You're never getting up there and hitting a 30 yard shot over and over and over again. So kind of like a more dynamic, uh, practice through those yardages. And, of course, um, everyone wants to be good with the driver or, you know, the longer irons or your hybrids and really, you know, crush the ball out there. I mean, that's what, I don't know, it just just feels good when you can smack the ball 240 yards in in the center. Some people can do it a lot further, but um, what he was breaking down to me is he wants me to get better at chipping since it can help me drop the most strokes on the scorecard around the green. And if I can get accurate and have a one or two putt chance when I'm 50, 70 yards away uh, on an approach, then that will really help me lower my handicap. So right now, um, by no means have I figured out my driver completely, but I'd say 70% of the balls, 85% that I hit, I can hit them again. They're not wildly out of bounds or having to, you know, drop a ball or I can't find it, but they're still, they're in play now. So that one almost drops you 10 to 12, uh, you know, strokes. If you are extremely high handicapper, we're talking, you know, off the charts, that's going to drop you right there. Then after you do that, where can you pick up a lot is how many times, and if you're a high handicapper or shooting the nineties or low hundreds, I'm sure you're aware of this is. You will chip it up on, chip it over the green, or maybe you hit the bunker on an approach shot. Then you chip it into the other bunker on the other side of the green. Then you take two to get out of the bunker. Then you uh, got to chip it over some water uh, to get on the green. So you're all over the place. You're adding one, two, three strokes sometimes on various holes throughout the round. I mean, that adds up. That's 10 strokes easy if we're being conservative. So if you can learn to actually really make that, make that, uh, make that, last 70 yards onto the green and put it in a position where you could one or two putt, you've just you've just leveled up, just completely leveled up. So that is really all of it on the lesson. We always do end, of, end with uh, working on the driver just because you don't want to lose that ability off the, uh, the tee box to put your ball in play, even if that is only... Uh, if, if I start really messing up, uh, I will slow down um, my, my driver and I will be happy putting it to 10 uh, out there just so I know I can hit it. Um, uh, of course, you know, 
everybody. You always want to be further, but uh, I would rather not have to take a drop or be OB uh, or in the water or whatever, um, and then already halfway to par, if not beyond halfway to par, um, and still at 200, 250 yards to go. As I've been working on this podcast and kind of the thinking about the episodes and the structure, layout, stuff like that, what I really want to impart, <laughs> I'm still kind of all over the place with it, but I do know uh, I'll talk about lessons or whatever I'm doing to improve, because um, I should be doing that every week if I really want to hit my goal of shooting 85 in uh, uh, at St. Andrews in Scotland. But I do know one thing is I want to kind of hold myself accountable with what I'm actually improving, whether I had to take a couple steps back, whether I have a blow-up round, whatever it is. And so I'm definitely going to be doing like a, a newest golf score, honest golf score moment uh, in each episode and let y'all know what I shot, whether it was played once or twice. I, I normally don't get to play twice in a, in a week, but uh, whether it's once, twice, however many times, um, let y'all know exactly what I what I shot. So hold myself accountable and, and uh, y'all can too. But uh, I, I say all that, and then actually, I don't have a, a golf score to share this this week. Um, I uh, did play this week, as I mentioned, in the uh, the, um, the Gene Sillers uh, Memorial Tournament, but uh, it was a best ball uh, setup, so I don't have any personal uh, score to share. Uh, but... Uh, the reason um, I was able to play in that is because Firemaker Brewing, uh, my, my brewery and uh, our, our beer, uh, Calamity Jane, is partnered with the Georgia PGA section, and we were uh, one of the sponsors uh, for that tournament. And it was uh, just great to uh, be able to help in some small way and, and be a part of it. It was a really fun day with a lot of good people. The tournament itself is in honor of Gene Siller, who was a, a golf pro at Pine Tree Country Club and uh, who uh, tragically passed away um, a couple of years ago. But um, his wife and uh, the PGA Reach, Georgia PGA Reach, and others have put together this uh, memorial tournament and grant to uh, help junior golfers in Georgia who are trying to learn and uh, play and be competitive in junior golf um, throughout the state. So it's a really great thing. And we are uh, very happy to uh, be a part uh, with the brewery in, 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 a, in our very small way. Uh, but they have raised a, a lot of money to uh, help a lot of golfers and uh, really hope they uh, continue to do more. If you'd like to learn more, uh, you can uh, definitely go and uh, find them online and reach out and donate or maybe help out next year, especially if you're in Georgia and into golf or around, uh, especially around the Atlanta area. So, um, yeah, but it was a great, uh, fun day for uh, the tournament. Uh, my my group, we actually ended up shooting twelve under. So other people shot a lot, a lot lower, but uh, others shot higher. So uh, it was a a solid day, and really more about camaraderie and, uh, of course, raising awareness and money. It's kind of difficult to see. Um, how well you're shooting when you're playing in a uh, best ball sort of style tournament, which is what it was. And if you're not familiar with what that is, so before I kind of dive into it, is best ball is where you play with a group of people, three, four, five, whatever it is, and you all hit a tee shot. Then you pick the best shot from that, uh, that grouping, and you go up and you all hit from that best ball, or best ball as it's named. 
then the same thing happens. So then on your second shot, everyone hits and you pick the best shot from that or best ball and you continue on all the way until you hole out or putt out. And so you do that each time, which is which is how you hear me even in the same sentence as 12 under is because you're playing with five other people um, who all of them were uh, more experienced golfers than me. And it really is, it's great for tournaments because it keeps things moving. It keeps uh, pace of play uh, going well. And also it allows people who are higher handicaps or don't really play that often to get involved in, in, in something like a, a great um, organization like this and, you know, be a part and not feel, uh, feel like they're just not good enough to actually go out and play. For me right now, while I still have fun with a best ball or a shamble or, or different format styles, I'm trying to personally improve my game. So I want to know what I'm shooting. I want to know, you know, how many t- did I did I hit the fairway? Did I hit green in regulations at all? Uh, how many putts am I averaging per hole like that? And that you can only know that when you are playing your ball uh, or, or stroke play is actually the f- format that that would be called. But even that being said, you can still get an idea for how you were playing that day. Um, you measure it a few different ways. One way is to measure it like how many times, how many times did your team use your ball to, uh, to advance? Uh, did they use your ball off the tee? How many times did, were you the last one to putt? Because, you know, you sank the putt and that was it. Now the hole's over, move on, best ball. Uh, we definitely used, uh, uh, several of my shots or, or maybe more than several. Uh, I can't remember exactly, uh, you know, we're having a good time and, Drinking some Calamity Jane, and uh, everybody's having a good day. So, you know, I wasn't being super, uh, super on of tracking everything. But how many, or or how many balls did you lose? Like, I didn't lose any, which uh, is a lot better than the round before, where I was in Santa Rosa and lost like eight. So, um, it just, uh, uh, it just depends. So you can kind of tell. We actually did use one of my. Uh, um, approach shots from about 200 yards out uh, to get our, our only eagle of the day. And I put us about, uh, give or take, eight eight feet, 10 feet from the, the pin. And then we drained it uh, for, for an eagle. So that was pretty exciting when you are definitely helping. Uh, and also you can tell with your shots. And if you're practicing and if you are taking lessons and you're actively working on your game, you can tell. Um, now, I do want those numbers uh, from you know measuring and, and tracking each one of my shots. But Sometimes you just go, got to go out and have, have a good time. Uh, like Santa Rosa, though, if you listen to my last episode, uh, I talked about how the heat index was uh, like 115 or 116 um, when we were playing, and you can definitely feel it, and it affects your game. It was a hot one uh, last Monday uh, when we played um, at Pine Tree uh, during this tournament. It was uh, it was hot. The heat index was well over 102. Um, we all still had a great time, but uh, it uh, it's getting hot. Now, these summers, uh, these summers playing golf are, uh, they're hot ones. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I digress. That is, uh, pretty much everything about the tournament, uh, played with a, a good group of guys, um, uh, helped be a part and, uh, I know they, they raised a lot of money. So, uh, it was a good day. It was a successful day and, um, that's really all I have y'all. Um, of course I'm, uh, always promoting Calamity Jane, um, uh, love that beer. It's perfect for golf. And uh, we had a few of them uh, during that tournament. And um, 
plan on having a few next week, uh, especially watching uh, the Tour Championship and going, which I mentioned at the beginning. I will be uh, getting to go to Eastlake. Uh, we're going to take some business associates and have a good time. It should be a very exciting week of golf. Hopefully, you've already got your plans to uh, watch the uh, watch the Tour Championship, and we will be discussing it on the next episode. So I'll take some notes. I'll post some pictures. Uh, like I said, you can follow me on social media at Elliot P. Hall. That's two L's, two T's. P as in Pine Tree and uh, last name Hall, H-A-L-L. So everyone, please subscribe, stay up to date, and follow the journey to St. Andrews. And as always, I'm Elliot Hall. Have a good day, y'all.